everybody. Welcome to The Kelly O Show. I'm your host, Kelly Alexa. This show is dedicated to inspiring women of all ages to pursue excellence in mind, body, and business. After decades of playing small in my own life and staying in the comfort zone, a couple of years of massive chaos and drama in my personal and my professional life forever changed me for the better. Through some tough lessons, I evolved and I became a stronger and more confident version of myself, fearless and finally, unapologetically myself. I am now designing my life bigger and better than ever before. And most importantly, I'm designing a life on my terms that is full of joy and happiness. And I think that this is something that's been missing for so many women. They're either staying in the comfort zone like I was Or they've got a life that looks pretty good on the outside, but it's missing real joy and health and happiness. And that is no bueno. I believe that the future is female. And every week, this show is going to bring you incredible interviews and live shows that I hope is going to motivate you to take massive action in your life, to leave the comfort zone and go all in again to pursue achieving excellence in mind, body, and in business. I hope you enjoy the show and let's dive in. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Kelly O show. On today's show, this is going to be a two-part episode. I've got Cassie Parks with me and I am so thrilled that I discovered her in actually another Facebook group for women in the podcasting space, which has ended up being a tremendously valuable experience for me. But anyway, I wanted to have Cassie on the show, and I'm so glad that we did because she's such a breath of fresh air. And I'm going to give you a little blurb from her website to tell you how she's described, but then I'll tell you a little bit about what the show's going to be about because we're really talking about money mindset and the whole concept of manifestation, which can seem so like hippie voodoo out there to a lot of people. I was one of them years and years ago. But once you understand not only that it's not just some crazy concept thought up by people who seem overwhelmingly optimistic, um, it is something that is backed by a tremendous amount of science and data. And it absolutely works if you apply it in your life and have the right attitude towards it. Um, but anyway, if, you, if you're wondering who Cassie Parks is, Cassie Parks, now this is, I'm looking at, at her website here. Um, Cassie is somebody who supports people who want to turn their wildest dreams into dreams come true. She retired at age 32. She's a seven times best-selling author. You're going to want to get every single one of her books. Trust me. Um, She's the creator of the Manifest $10,000 course, which has currently served more than 1,500 people in 26 countries. Cassie, this is again her short bio. It says, Cassie Parks loves the ocean, dancing for no reason, and the power of possibility. Her best-selling books include the topics of money, business, and lifestyle design. She's a mentor for those who want to turn their wildest dreams into dreams come true. Manifest $10,000 hit bookstores in May of 2017. So you really, I know, and I know you're going to get out of this as much as I did. She has, I mean, there still is, and I don't want to give it away. There's a statement that she said in here that is such a great way of describing what happens And, you know, we're talking a lot about mindset in this two-part episode, your mindset, your attitude, how to manifest what you want, um, you know, how to not only have goals, um, but 
make them happen and materialize in your life. And again, one of the things that I will say, I will give away this part that she said, which is so fantastic is she's like, you know, manifestation, people sometimes think manifestation is like asking Santa for what you want. And then you just sit and and wait. It doesn't work that way. This is a very active approach. And it's all about mindset and attitude and belief. Um, But she has such great ways of describing particularly what I love is, you know, what happens when And what most people do, which is when we focus on only the negative things in our lives, only the only the problems, only what's happened to us historically, you know, what happens there versus, you know, alternatively, what is a a manifestation mindset? How do you how do you do it? How is it different? Why is it not like asking Santa for what what you want and just sitting around and thinking it's going to plop into your lap or the UPS is going to deliver it the next day? We go into all of that. So I'm really thrilled. And I think that again, she's just such a joy, um, such a breath of fresh air. And you can't help but fall in love with this woman. Um, and that's why our show, of course, <laughs> went from 30 minutes to an hour very quickly. So sit back and enjoy. This is, again, a full one-hour episode that I've divided up into two parts. But sit back and enjoy this money mindset and manifestation chat with Cassie Parks. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to The Kelly O Show. I am so, so, you know what I'm going to say? I'm excited. Cassie, I have been saying for the past two years of recording this podcast, I need to find other adjectives to say instead of excited because I say I'm so excited about every guest, but the truth is I I don't, stoked is not my word. I'm not, Mm -hmm. I find myself when I want to say, I'm so stoked to have this guest. I'm like, that's not my word. So I'm going to find another word, but I am so thrilled to have you on the show because we are going to be talking about money mindset and you clearly are an expert. And this is something that is incredibly, um, personally, I, I have started to, I, I would say I've started to dive into this and understand the importance of money blocks, how what your mindset is around money, particularly for women. I've started to see this probably in the past six to nine months. And once you start to have some aha moments around it, you realize like, wow, I've been holding myself back because I've had a horrible mindset around money. So I'm very, very interested. And I know our audience is very interested. They were interested before the whole coronavirus quarantine situation. And now so many of them um, have lost jobs, have had a dramatic decrease in income. So many of them are in a state of like, what does my financial future look like? So this is going to be very timely. Can't wait to get started. So welcome to the show, Cassie Parks. I didn't even know if I said your name there in in all of that adoration, but (laughs) welcome. Are you ready to go? Oh, thank you for having me, Kelly. I am so excited and so ready to go. This is my favorite thing to talk about. I'm so, I and I have to say as well. I should have told you this before we started recording. Do people say to you a lot that you have a really, really good voice? I do hear that a lot, and do. I, I do. And you know what's um, interesting is. Uh, I worked on that's something that I worked. I used to hate my voice for real. And, and I did a lot of work around, like, I love the way I sound and really like, this was very early on, even before my business. And then I started and I was doing some recordings and I got like, Oh, your voice is awesome. I love this. People love to hear it on the podcast. So it's always extra fun to get that feedback because I know it was a shift that I made internally that's now Mm. reflected. So that's fun. 
It, you know, it's funny that you bring that up too, because like so many things, if we, I, my, one of my favorite quotes is, and it took me forever to understand it, but that quote that says, we don't see things as they are, we see things mm-hmm. as we are. And yes. truthfully, if you change your perspective, meaning the universal you, if, if one changes their perspective on how they view things, you know, it could be something as simple as how you view your own voice. I hated when I mm-hmm. first started vlogging and putting up videos on YouTube. I hated how I looked. I hated my voice. Um, and now it's funny to me because to what you just said a second ago, just the very act of starting a podcast and having my first production company kind of give me some constructive criticism and then learning to slow down and, and get into cadence with my guests. Like this has been such a great experience for me to learn how to speak, to be more articulate, um, to be slower in response. It's helped my business uh, negotiations and discussions with clients because I'm, I'm less, I don't know. I'm, I'm such an excitable personality that it's helped me. I don't know, temper and, and have more calm discussions with people. So it's all good. And I actually, I don't love my voice, but I, I will listen to myself sometimes on a podcast and go, wow, girl, you're sounding good. So <laughs> there's that. You can actually learn to love your voice. So you can. <laughs> that's, not <what> we're, <laughs> that's not why we had you on the show to talk about our voice. But hey, you know, off the uh, when we finish, maybe I'll circle back with you because if you, you, it sounds like you've been podcasting longer than me. And I, one of the things I'm always looking for is how I can make my voice last longer because I record all my podcasts Mm. typically on Wednesdays, like today, and I'll record four or five. And by the end of the day, my throat feels like I'm getting strep throat. It hurts. And I I know that I can do better. So I'll follow up with you on that. Because if you've got any tips coming from you, I'm going to call you the voice. Um, (laughs) Love it. (laughs) (laughs) So let's do this. Um, It's your first time on the show. I have no Mm -hmm. doubt I'm going to want to have you back um, considering I'm just looking at all your books. I'm looking at your courses. Um, You are such an expert in this area. And I know you have so much um, that you can share with us. But let's get started by, you know, anytime I have a guest on the show for the first time, quite a lot of people in our audience, they've never heard of you. So mm-hmm. I'd love to hear, you know, you are here to talk about money mindset and you're an expert, but how did you, how did you get to that place? Like what, when was it for you that you became interested in money and manifestation and you decided like, not only was this something you were going to pursue for you, um, but then to take it to the next level and make this your business and how you, this is how you help others as well. Tell us that backstory. Yeah. So the first time I ever used um, like manifestation to manifest money, it was in eighth grade. It was a $20. um, It was $20. There was like a contest and I went home and I visualized like my name being called. There were five twenties for that contest. And I won the next day. And so that was the first time. And then it was quite a I don't know. It was a big gap, you know, but I was, I was an athlete, you know, my, my high school softball coach, her license plate is visualized. So I had had introduction and I knew this and I was, I was very into psychology in high school and learning that and knew that was the path that I wanted. And so I'd always sort of had these little, um, 
you know, there's all these little things along the way that were opening this up. Mm-hmm. And I found some practices, some energetic ways to change your thoughts and beliefs. I have a master's in counseling. So I had all of that. And then, you know, I really, but what I really wanted was to be financially independent. I actually wanted that since I was 19. I went to work for a financial services company. And that's where I learned the term financial independence, that people actually could pay their bills with enough money that they weren't working for. And so for me, that was like, oh, I want that. And there was a little pause in that. But um, in my late 20s, I came back to that and I said, that's what I want. And along the way, I had been studying, but not super focused. Uh, I said, that's what I want. And so I leveraged the law of attraction, everything I knew, and I created my financial independence. Um, My friends call it like I retired at 32. I had created enough passive real estate income that I could pay my bills. It didn't match my salary, but I could pay my bills. And I knew that I had to get out for me. I had to get out of my job if I wanted to build a coaching business because I tried for years and it wasn't working with my job. And I think that's just because I didn't have the energy, you know, I was working 60 hours a week. There was all this, you know, just other things. And so it became clear to me in sort of my own journey and process that I had to figure out, I had to get out. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, all right, I can do this and I can live, I could live on a, I had been working this time, you know, really doing something that I talk about a lot, which is investing in my happiness. And as I did that, what happened is like, I naturally lowered my expenses because I was focused on it. I was only investing in things that made me truly happy. I'd broken a lot of bad habits, which we can go into later if we want, um, and so I was living on very little, but really living a life I loved. And so um, once I had established some savings and I had enough to pay my bills, I walked away from my job. And when I did that, um, about six months before I left my job, just on an inspired action, I had outlined a money manifesting course. Um, a friend of mine was having trouble recruiting people to her. Um, she was in an MLM and she's like, I don't know if people can't really come up with $300 or it's an excuse. And I was like, I could teach anyone how to manifest $300. And I outlined this course, but I didn't finish it. I didn't, I didn't, hadn't had time to write it anything. And when I quit my job, even though I could cover my bills, I could feel like this shift in my money and there was sort of like, oh no, am I going to run out? I was, I was having thoughts and beliefs that I knew enough that I needed to take care of those. Mm. So I decided, oh, I'm just going to write this course and I'm going to do it as I write it because I need it, but then I'll write it and I'll share it with other people. And it, um, when I launched it, it had over 200 people in it and it really became, yeah, <laughs> which was amazing for me as an entrepreneur because I had only ever been able to launch anything with two people. I'd ever, you know, made like two sales for one thing ever, you know? And so that was a really big deal for me. And, and what year and was it, this? I'm just curious. Uh, so this was 2014. Okay. Yeah. So I was, I did it for that, launched it and did it to shift my own beliefs. And then it became really what people wanted to learn from me. And as I kept coaching more and more people in it, I kept learning more and more because I had my own story. But as I coached more, I learned more and how to deal with um, how to help a different type of person than sort of had my background. And so it's just evolved from there. I have a couple of questions because yeah. as you know, I was taking copious notes. So as you were developing your course and you knew that you wanted mm-hmm. to coach and you're talking about working 60 hours, was that where you were working 60 hours in the financial services firm or was it just a different kind of like just a regular job? 
Oh, it was a regular job. I did regulatory. Okay. <laughs> I filed paperwork with states and um, federal governments. That sounds sexy, right? <laughs> <laughs> Why would you want to leave that? I know. I, I, gosh, I sometimes I hear people's you know jobs, and I'm like, but then again, I think of some of the jobs that I've had, and I'm like. Wow. But again, when I look back at my early years in corporate America, I just realized, you know, so many, I, one of my guests, Diane Well said, he, he said a phrase that I've been using repeatedly, but I have to give him credit. He's like, so many people just live their life on autopilot and mm-hmm. they just, they don't, don't realize it. Like I just look yeah. back and I see I graduated from Ohio state and I thought at the time I was going to become a lawyer. So I was thinking about, you know, taking the LSAT. And then I started studying for that for about five hot minutes. I'm like, nope, going to go just get a job. (laughs) And then I just got a job. Like I remember my thought process at that time was I'm good at sales. My dad's good at sales. My brother's good at sales. Therefore I'm good at sales. I'll get a sales job. Like I didn't even look for a company that I loved. I just wanted whatever sales job would hire me as a college grad. And Mm -hmm. I started off in the hotel business. Did I love the hotel business? No, I was making $23,000 a year. (laughs) I think my paycheck every couple of weeks was like $550 or $600. My rent was $600. I still remember that. Um, and, and, And then I just went from that job to a next, and I worked at a financial services firm, incidentally, hated it because I was so uncomfortable with anything to do with money, but Mm. I just went from job to job to job, just going, okay, who will hire me based on like, it was almost the way that you view yourself, I think. And so many people go through that is you're just like, well, who will take me? It's not like, who will I pick? It's who can take me. And and you're coming at it almost from desperation. So it's a completely different look and feel than when you choose what you're called to do. And I have a feeling you're going to share that as you got into your coaching and after you launched and you successfully had that 200 people, 200 person in your launch, well, that is a tremendous success um, that this, that, that you knew you'd found your calling. Um, but I just wanted to make sure I was understanding. So you, you had a regular job, you were mm-hmm. interested in, in finances, you were already putting into effect the law of manifestation, the law of attraction, and then you had this launch and that's where I interrupted you. So you, you brought us up to about 2014. And yeah. one, one quick question though, too, yeah. because there's a lot of people here who are listening who, you know, I'm guessing most people who are listening to this will have heard of the law of attraction, the secret. They're familiar with a lot of these things. They're familiar with the concept of manifestation, but there's probably going to be whatever percent are like, this is a joke. This is ridiculous. These people are full of shit. And then there's people who believe in it or people who have experienced to some degree. And I'm just curious for you, what, maybe it wasn't as, as early back as eighth grade for you, but what was it for you that made you open to this idea of the law of attraction? Was it seeing the secret? Was it reading the book? Was it, did you read a different book? You know, I'm just curious for you because there certainly was a point in time in my life where I was either completely, I'd never heard of the law of attraction. I'd never Mm -hmm. heard of any of these books. And then I became open to it. What, what was it for you that made you open to this whole concept? I think I've always been open. So I always say I learned the law of attraction in eighth grade science, like like attracts like, like that is at its essence what it is. I think it gets put a lot of other things on it. Um, But I want to I feel like I'm going to misquote this, but I feel like it's a Newton law, like like attracts like, right? It's Mm -hmm. a, and so 
from that, that made sense to me. Like I remember having conversations with my aunt, we're talking about, you know, even, you know, before high school where, you know, we're talking about somebody, I'm like, well, you know, like attracts like they attract that, you know, and not as a blame, just that, you know, that matches who they are and it matches who they think they are. And, um, and like I said, you know, my high school softball coach had visualized on her license plate. So I think as an athlete, I was very, I was aware at a very early age, 14, 15, that visualization had been proven to work. So I, you know, like I knew about the studies where they put the electrodes on the brain of a runner, you know, a world cast runner and the same things would fire. So I understood it. And I'm very much a science of the law of attraction. I think there's, um, there's really... I mean, there's a ton, but, you know, if we put it into sort of two camps, there's a very scientific, like attracts, like, like I said, you know, the Mm -hmm. studies, this, the, the way our brain works, all of that, the way that, you know, sort of the scientific, and then there's, um, you know, more of, I don't want to put it in the spiritual realm or the esoteric, like there's sort of a different, that it's like a, I don't even know how to describe it. I'm just going to say, I'm usually more of a practical science grounded law of attraction person because it makes sense to me. I love the science of it. I love learning that and teaching my people how their brain is interacting and helping them create their world and attract what they want versus just sort of this entity out there, this thing that's like kind of, (laughs) I had a client once um, say that when she watched The Secret, she was like, it seemed like just hoping Santa Claus would deliver your presence, but Cassie explains it, how it actually works. And so I think there is sort of that, oh, it's just like asking Santa Claus, which is sort of hard to believe in. Um, and I've lost track of the question, but for me, it's really like <laughs> I'm a track. So like, <laughs> I'm not the only one that does was that. Like, oh my God. Like, oh, um, it was, how did I get into it? And so then it, you know. <laughs> no, you like, know what? I, yeah, I was, I was asking, you know, when was it for you that you became open to this concept? Because it is not, for, for most people, it's not something that you, are that that is for lack of a better way of saying it, it's not mainstream to right. be to be taught that growing up and and mm-hmm. there were so many different times where so I, I do remember seeing the book The Secret and then there was mm-hmm. like a video that came out. Yeah. Um you know for me I think the thing that struck me where it really became real was almost the negative side of that where they they were talking about if all you do is focus on your problems and I can't pay my bills and I'm mm-hmm. I'm in credit card debt and I have this and then I even realized this when I was going through some, you know, crazy chaotic times in my business, my last business two or three years ago. And I had this utter moment of clarity when I came home from running errands and I'd been in the car the whole time talking with my mom, bitching about, you know, all these people that had betrayed me. And I would, Mm -hmm. and I, I, I parked the car and I looked at my watch and I looked at the time on my phone and it said, I had been talking to my mom for 45 minutes. I'm like, I literally just spent 45 minutes of my day that I could have spent selling, bringing in new money. And, and I, I had this moment of like, how much time am I spending every day calling people and bitching about, you won't believe what happened to me today. Oh my God. And then crying and being upset. And it, it just was this sudden of moment of awareness again of like, this is what I'm spending my time on. This is where mm-hmm. all of my energy and truthfully, it was like negative energy because it was crying energy and, and despair and, and fret and worry and, and anger. 
And all of that was going into stuff that number one was already done. Number two, I had no control over. I couldn't undo it. And so I wasn't moving anything forward. I was literally just ruminating. And, and that was to me, one of like the big steps of like, this stuff makes sense. So it was the negative side of, is, is that even accurate to say that it's the negative side of manifestation? Because can you manifest the negative crap just as much as you can manifest the good stuff? Absolutely. Um, because it's what you're focused on, right? And it's li- and it's going into the, how your brain works on this. It's the information. So you tell your brain, like when you're having a 45 minute conversation, I'm gonna use this example because it's great, about you know people betraying you, like things that are not great, all this stuff. You're literally you're like putting this into your Google search, right? Mm. Being betrayed, doing this, do it like, and so then Google searching that. And then all of that, you know, how, when you search, I don't know, flip flops and then flip flops come up on your Facebook, right? There's, there's a mechanism at work there, but that's what then happens in your brain is, Oh, like betrayal. So I've talked about that. So your brain is like, Oh, this is what we're focused on. This is what we're doing. So it looks for more of that. It gives you more of that information because there's so much information to filter. It filters by what you've been looking for. That's brilliant. That is a really brilliant way of, of putting it because it's so true. And I've, I've said this before in more using it as a fitness example with mm-hmm. my followers and you know, as somebody who has really spent a good portion of her time um, self-loathing, being insecure, completely um, self-conscious, um, embarrassed about my looks, embarrassed about my body. And I would literally spend hours a day picking myself apart in the mirror. And I suddenly realized like this phrase, what you look for, you will find. So mm-hmm. every time I go in the mirror, if I want to say, you know, and I, I would have this crazy skin condition that now I know is related to food, these bumps on my neck. And I would go into the, literally, I would walk into the bathroom every morning and turn the bright light on and start like looking. I'd be standing up really, really close to the mirror looking for bumps. And I'm like, you know what, guess what? If I'm looking that closely, I'm going to find them. But alternatively, if I just go and put my makeup on and go, you know, wow, look how great I look, then I can walk through the day and I might have a bump, but I didn't see it. I'm going it, to, it's, it's again, what you're telling your brain to do a Google search on. So if I would go mm-hmm. look for those bumps or look at how tight my sports bra was all day, that's what I'm thinking about is the bumps on my neck or how tight my sports bra is or how fat I think I am, blah, 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 versus how amazing I am and how healthy I am and how strong and capable I am and blah, blah, blah. That's what a, I've never had anyone describe it that way. That's a brilliant way to describe it. Thank you. And also, isn't it true? I mean, when we are feeding ourselves all of the, and let's use that example, you're, you're focusing on your problems. You're focusing on, I mean, let's let's tie it back to, we're recording this on April 15th, um, the middle of this coronavirus time. Everybody's in quarantine. A lot of people have lost their jobs. There's a lot of people listening who are mired in worry and crazy doubt and fear. And I mean, I'm mm-hmm. thinking of several people I've talked to. They're worried about their husband's job. They've just lost their job. They've, they've, they're a two income family that's now has no income. They're on um, unemployment. They're spending a lot of time in fear and doubt and worry. And mm-hmm. is it, is it accurate? Because you obviously know much more of how the brain works and the science behind this. I have a, I have a conceptual understanding, but when you start thinking about that stuff, it's like your brain doesn't stop working when you are 
consciously thinking about it. Like if you're sitting down and you're consciously thinking, I don't have money. How am I going to pay the bills? How am I going to pay my rent? What if, what's going to happen three months from now if I don't have a job? When you finish those conscious thoughts, your brain is still going on overdrive, right? And it still is doing that Google search and looking for all of the bad stuff to support what you're already thinking. Isn't that right? Yes. Yeah. Because it's what you've told it to look for, right? Um, and a quick way out of that is just to even switch it up, like ask it. a. So our brain likes to find answers for us, likes to find support for what we're looking for, but it also likes to find us answers. So um, you know, when you can ask like, you know, oh, like I, how, how is this going to work out? And even less of a question, but like one of, uh, one of my client's favorites that she's developed along the way as we work together is like, oh, I wonder how this is going to work out. Hmm. And so it just takes it off of, it's like, oh, it's almost like your brain can take a deep breath and yeah. look for something out. Oh, like now I can look for what, like other things. It's just like this space that it creates. Because yeah, if we're, if we're constantly thinking and wondering and in that space, um, we will get a lot more of that. And it doesn't get us anywhere, right? Because if there's not, when we're still focused on there's not money, there's not money, there's not money, like that's what our brain is going to find. There's not money, there's not money, there's not money. But when we can make a shift of, okay, what do I have right now? Even if it's just like going to the cupboard and, okay, well, we have, you know, I don't know, beans and we have this and we have this. I can make three meals. I'm good for three meals. Like finding that space of, you know, just that relief of being okay. Like, okay, I'm good for this. I don't have to worry about how to pay next month's mortgage today because I have 15 days, technically 30 if it's a mortgage, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the thing is too, is like, I'm remembering we were, I was having this discussion with my man recently. And I said, you know, I think that for me, the reason the whole coronavirus and the quarantine situation hasn't, and this, I want to say this to encourage other people in, you know, this is why you focus on your mindset. This is why you Mm -hmm. focus on, um, becoming more resilient, becoming a stronger person, getting to know, you know, self-awareness, getting to know who you are and, mm-hmm. and becoming a stronger version of that is so that when life storms come, they're not as devastating because I can tell you right now, I'm not saying that everything is perfect in my life. I mean, truthfully, just preceding the coronavirus situation, I was really benched with like six to seven months of not being able to work and work out because I had chronic headaches and migraines completely out of the blue. We had no idea what was going on. Um, I had just moved in with the love of my life. And, you know, I have always been somebody that stands on my own two feet financially. And suddenly like I couldn't work. I couldn't. Mm -hmm. And I just decided to pursue a new path with my business And I was literally like lying on the couch immobile for six, seven months. And then I finally got to see a neurologist finally got better. And they're like, coronavirus, it's quarantine. And I think (laughs) truthfully, it's because of what I referenced earlier. I've had, and I've talked about this on the podcast. So people who have been listening, they, they know a little bit of what I'm referencing, but you know, the years, 2017, 2018, um, last year was the year of the migraines. So it was like 2017, 2018 were two of the worst years in my life. Chaos, craziness, a lot of betrayals, all these things I told you about, a lot of calls with my mom for 45 minutes and, and other people bitching and complaining and blah, blah, blah. But it's because of all of that. 
And because I made the changes and because Mm -hmm. I learned like, hey, even in the worst case scenario, when I had to hire a law firm and and deal with suing, you know, a a vendor that committed fraud and I had to fire people. And I mean, people that were close to me, I had to get like a restraining order against this guy, all this craziness. Now stuff like this comes and I'm like, I've got this. And it also helps me become better at being a lot more compassionate and a better friend and a better advisor to other people who are going through it for the first time, because Mm -hmm. I'm able to say just what you said, you said a second ago, like, Hey, if you have a mortgage, here's like, here's some real talk. And I love that you brought that up too. Cause there's a lot of people listening to this that are like, Oh, please. How can we talk about manifesting, you know, great deals of money when I'm worried about how I'm going to put food on the table next week. And just what you said, let's look at what you have and then look around you and realize, like, I remember saying this to my sister at one time when her husband lost his job, I said, let's, let's look at the worst case scenario, right? Like if, if Dave doesn't get a job for six months, right? Do you think if you lost your house, right? That, that could be the one worst case scenario. What would happen? You would move in with mom and dad mom and dad have a huge house. You would have a roof over your head. You would have a car, you would have food. Like none of us are going to get set on fire tomorrow. And and I think Mm -hmm. we don't even realize so much of what we have. And and that's something, maybe that's a good question because I hear this a lot when you, you hear people who are whether they have a book or they have a podcast and they'll say, focus on gratitude and that will change everything. But I think there's a lot of people out there listening that don't understand like what does focusing on gratitude and do you, do you recommend that to your clients? Because I do think particularly with what's going on right now, that could be a first step before you get into the next step, which is, you know, focusing on the manifestation part which is going to start changing the future, but look at what you have and look at what you have to be grateful for as a foundation. Is that something that you recommend and explain that if, if it is something that you recommend? Yeah. Gratitude is one of the most powerful things that we can do. I mean, science has proven it, right? That it, there is something about being in this grateful because A, we have it, we're experiencing like happiness for having it or we're grateful for it. So it, it changes our brain that there's studies on that. It changes how we feel. And sometimes, and because you brought it up sort of in this way, going in this time, sometimes, you know, I always recommend it. It's part of my process when I do a workshop and we do future self, there's a ton of focus on a gratitude. And what I have found sometimes when people start to use it is they, it can be hard. It's like, oh, I'm grateful for that. But I'm grateful for this. I'm grateful for that. But they feel like things aren't working. So it's sort of um, sometimes if it's sarcastic. And so if you find yourself in that sarcastic place, I would just say, let it go and find, don't beat yourself up. Like don't, the sarcastic doesn't pay off because underneath that, what you're saying is like, oh, things still suck. Mm. Right. Yeah. And so if it feels good to go through and be like, oh, I'm so grateful there's a roof over my head. I'm so grateful for this. Like, that is awesome. Find the place that feels good with it because that does shift and change. And if you just need to do, I remember this, it might be in one of my books, but you know, one of the things I tell people about abundance is find the places that you have abundance and just count it, just see it first before we even are grateful for it. So one of the things is like, almost everyone has like an abundance of socks, 
Right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, abundance of half socks coming out. Yes, of <laughs> right. All these like, an abundance of socks. Yeah, like there's so many, and so you can go to the places where you're like, oh, I have. I have a whole drawer of socks, right? And just sort of see the abundance and play with it a little bit and not try to get super happy about it. Just start giving this information to your brain like, oh, we have a lot of socks. Like, oh, we have a lot of whatever there might be a lot of, right? That a lot of us have. And then from there, like if you're having trouble just going straight into gratitude, doing that first is often very helpful because sometimes it can when it feels like everything is falling apart, it's been going on for a while, and you've been in this space of worry and freak out for a little bit, that's what your brain's used to. And so just even littler steps can be helpful. Sometimes it can feel really jarring to go straight to gratitude and it doesn't feel real. That's one of the biggest things I get for people when they start using sort of any law of attraction, gratitude, stuff like that is sometimes it's like, but I don't feel real. Mm -hmm. And so we always just start with, well, like what can feel better? What can feel good? That's such, you know, you've brought up so many great points that haven't been brought up in the way that you have. I mean, the Google search thing is brilliant, but what you just said there too, being, I think, disingenuous, I felt that way. And I always use myself as an example in any interview because I just know I'm going to be as transparent as possible. Hey, everybody, you've reached the end of part one of this two-part episode with Cassie Parks. Make sure you tune in to part two.